Hi, welcome to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Claire. I'm Elena. And today we are talking about genius movies. So, a lot of math today. Elena, how do you feel about math? I'm not good at math. But before we go go into the movies, I just want to say that there are obviously other types of geniuses besides math, but we decided to like to narrow down the movies we chose. We focused it on kind of math-related movies because there are so many types of geniuses, artists, musicians. We can always do multiple types of these episodes. So before anyone comes for us, we understand there are other types of geniuses out there. <laughs> a good point to add, a good point to add. I hate math. These movies about math are good. I couldn't do it for my life, though. I feel like we're also, we're good test subjects, because if we don't understand what's going on in the math, I'm sure no one else can. Or at least, and no one who's good at math can. So it's definitely, like, a good, we're a good, good team to figure this out. I guess we'll jump right in it. Our first movie is The Man Who Knew Infinity. This is about, I'm going to butcher his first name, Srinivasa Ramanujan who was a Indian uh, mathematician who basically traveled from India to, I think, did he go to Cambridge? Or no, went to Trinity College and mm-hmm. basically um, worked with G.H. Hardy and together he, they, like, he like helped publish his work and basically his work is very, very good. And um, yeah, I, I would say I don't understand what his work was, but I do. they do make it clear at the end of the movie that it was very... Um, I don't know. I don't know how to call it. It was, I don't know, Claire. Like, like groundbreaking. Yes, that's the word. Groundbreaking. Uh, groundbreaking. And the only thing I got out of like the actual work they were doing was he needed these proofs. They kept on talking about like, oh, your proofs aren't good enough. Like you're not providing a reason for why your math makes sense, even though it does. Yeah. The behind it was very religious, like that it comes to him, but that isn't good enough for the the, the English Trinity College people, and they um, but they eventually come to accept it because they know that he is such a genius. Yeah, so this follows his basically his um, time that he when we meet him, he's already done a ton of work, but he's been trying to send it out and get a job through his work, mm-hmm. but he has no formal education, so. Obviously, no one is taking him on for a job. And just basically based on the whim, he sent it to G.H. Hardy. And Hardy was like, you know what? Like, his work is really good. I'm going to take him in. And this was during a time when um, this is right before World War One, So it's a lot of tension going on. The U- uh, UK still um, took India as like a colony. So it's a lot of kind of tension through through that as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the movie overall? Overall, I thought it was enjoyable, but, like, this guy uh, was so important. It's just, like, I don't know, math in general, I suppose. Like, he's one of the top-tier geniuses, and the movie didn't make me feel that way, I feel like. Uh, one of the things I noticed was the beginning the beginning of the movie and the opening, he's not in it. It's both from, like, the white man's perspective. I agree. G.H. Hardy. I felt, like, took away from his story uh, a lot. I, I agree. I was confused I we'll when I first... We'll talk about this in the other movies, but some of our other geniuses, especially, like, uh, the white male geniuses, it's like, I felt like this is a story about this person, and I just wish this, uh, the man who knew um, Infinity, 
I guess I wish the core was stronger and it just focused more on his ideals and what he was going through. How do you feel? I, I agree on that sense. I felt that it did. The beginning of the movie is like G.H. Hardy, like recalling, like I think a letter or what he's talking about Ramanujan. And then it goes to kind of where Ramanujan was at that point in his life. And I did think that if they spent more time with Ramanujan, like how he came up with this work, but like his own personal struggle, I feel like when he went to Trinity, because the whole thing is that he left his wife and his mom behind in, in India. And they, they touched upon that, but I think they also focused a lot on like G.H. Hardy and his own struggle being like, oh, this guy doesn't have proofs, like how am I supposed to help him? And then the kind of like college struggle. Mm-hmm. When I felt that, I think if they did it more in Ramanujan's point of view, it would have helped because like I didn't realize how important we as he was until the end of the movie when they said, oh yeah, like his work has really been, is even being used today. And I was like, oh, I, I couldn't get that from watching the movie. Yeah. I do think, like, Dev, uh, Dev Patel, he plays Ramanujan. He did a really great job with, I think, what he was given. Mm-hmm. I do think, like, they could have pushed more to tell this man's story. Like, considering how important he was to math and to, like, today's society in general, uh-huh. it felt like a little bit of, like, a disservice. I was like, oh, like, he, this could have been more. Yeah, I completely agree because I didn't realize how big of a, a real person he was until I watched the last movie. Agreed. Which we'll talk about later, and I'm like, hey, wait, they, they're mentioning him. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Things I did like about this movie, I really liked, um, they, obviously, I think, I don't know if they really went to India or they had just really great sets, um, but all of, like, the environments were really cool. They clearly really filmed at Trinity College. Because it was so pretty, and then all, anytime they were filming in India, they had such great lighting. So I really liked it, like kind of like the physicality, like how they filmed it. I'm trying to think what else. I don't know. I felt like they kind of like rushed his story a little bit too. Yeah. So what is unfortunate about Ramanujan is that he died, I think, pretty soon after he had gone to Trinity. So I think he had been at Trinity for maybe a year or two. And he decides to go back to India because he wants, obviously wants to go back to his family and his wife. And a year after he leaves, he passes away. From uh, tuberculosis. So of course they included the scene of someone, uh, or or Ramanujan coughing blood into a napkin. Yes. Um, Which you know it's the end when that happens. Yes. Um, That is the end. And it was the end because a year later he... (laughs) He passed away. And yeah. I don't know. I just felt like I, I honestly didn't know that he died that way. So I was like a little bit shocked. I literally knew nothing about his story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what did you like about the movie? The one scene that really stuck out to me was during the air raid. Um, just because like that scene was so different from everything else in the movie. And I just thought that was really well done. The one thing I do agree could have been done better was I don't see the point of even introducing the the wife and uh his mother because they were having us like a small subplot but it's yeah. like I wish they would have leaned into that more because that was so interesting to me I'm thinking like oh I can't wait till the wife comes over and sees everything because that's sort of what I thought it was leading up to like him trying to like either have his family come over or him uh, go back and, like, just the culture shock of, like, being in one place and then going back to another and then coming back with, like, the knowledge you've gained. Yeah. Um, 
I was more looking for, I guess, a more like the more heart of us of what this story could have been. It was very focused on the math and the proofs. I feel like it was so focused on the proofs. So, um, the whole thing is that while he's at Trinity, he has, I think, like, two or three books full of theorems that he has. And basically, the professor was like, you need to prove this or else it's it's not, like, we can't publish it because there's no way to show, like, how you got to these answers. And mm-hmm. I, I understand that, but that was, like, a big plot point in this whole movie was, like, he <laughs> yeah. doesn't know how to do proofs and... Like, no one's helping him do this. And it's like, it makes sense. He doesn't have a formal education in Mm -hmm. mathematics, so he doesn't understand, like, why there needs to be proofs. Um, I did enjoy, like, the relationship between, like, G.H. Hardy and Ramanujan because clearly, like, they both had great respect for each other. Mm Because, like, even though, like, G.H. Hardy, he was always kind of like, you know, you need these proofs, he always believed, believed in him. He was always like, you're clearly, like, a gifted mathematician, but I'm trying to get you to a place where you can be respected by everyone. Like, there was a scene where they they tell him, oh, you have to take classes at Trinity. Um, and Ramanujan's like, okay. So he goes to a classroom, and one of the professors is like, oh, um, like, go do this problem on the board. Yeah, I think it was yeah, that. Yeah, no, it was kind of like that. Um, and the... The teacher was sort of, he was saying it, uh, not sarcastically, uh, uh, like a rhetorical question almost. And all the other students who had been there know better than to like go up and actually be like, oh, I know how to do this. Because first of all, they don't know how to do it. But second of all, it was just not a teacher that you could do that to. So Romanusian goes up and solves the problem. And then the teacher who's probably pissed off that like, he is just more knowledgeable, like, throws him out of the classroom. Yeah, he was really mean. I thought, like, obviously that was, like, unnecessary. That teacher was unnecessarily mean. Um, but what also happens, like, kind of in the backdrop of what's happening is obviously, like, World War One, And I guess at some point Trinity becomes a place to where they, they like, um, like, nurses, um, kind of like a hospital. And... That's where, like, all the wounded sh- soldiers go. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, like, like almost a war movie, but not quite because you're so focused on the math that they, a lot of people don't necessarily, like, understand what's going on, like, outside of the college. They're, like, kind of, like, their own isolated place. But that was interesting. I felt like there was a lot of things going on, and they didn't necessarily, like, lean into any direction, you know? I was just about to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. Because they were, like, leaning into the war thing a little bit. And then, like, leaning into his illness. And then, like, leaning into, like, his mother and his wife. Like, leaning into a little bit of culture shock. But not not so much. It was just so much and so little going on at the same time, if that makes sense. I I agree. Like... Wanting more because yeah. I just feel like I didn't get enough of what I wanted to see out of this movie, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I think it was definitely like obviously that like there's a lot going on within this short period of his life that they decided to cover, but they didn't uh-huh. quite expand enough on each facet where you're just kind of left with like a little bit of each and you want more. Mm-hmm. Um 
But yeah, that's that's my final say. I think it's worth watching if you have no idea who Ramanujan is. Because you do, I think, throughout the movie get a sense of, of just how brilliant he is. Um, but if you already know who he is, I don't know if this is the movie that does him or his work justice. Mm-hmm. It was fun watching Dave Patel, though. He's, yeah. he's so charming. He is charming. He's, yeah, he's just such a great actor. Yeah. No, he de- he definitely did, like, such a good job um, with the mm-hmm. movie. But I, I do wish it was, it was like, better. <laughs> yeah, I did. One more thing. I feel like if Dave Patel isn't in this, I'd be like, oh, this movie's so bad. Yeah, he definitely makes it. He was sort of the glue holding everything together for me. I agree. I agree. So the next movie is The Imitation Game. Um, And this came out in 2014, was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, And this is about Alan Turing, who's trying to break the Enigma code during World War II so they can intersect the Nazi code. So, um... So they can, like, win the war. Yeah. They, they explain it, I think, much better than we are and what actually, like, Enigma is. But I do, I think, I forgot. I haven't seen this movie in such a long time. But the beginning was so well done. So it begins with, like, a voiceover where it's, like, um, like are you paying attention? And it's very, like, direct kind of second person talking to you, the audience, directly. So I really like that. It definitely did grab my attention. And it's, it doesn't start with... Alan Turing, um, during the war, it starts with him after the war, 1951, I think, where he, there was a break-in at his place, and that's kind of where you start, and it plants this idea that he's hiding something, um, and then it, it goes back in time to, I think, like, the 1940s or 1930s, actually, um, to where, like, what he's doing, what he did during the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like uh, the character of Alan Turing, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, who I believe was also nominated. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Have you seen BBC Sherlock? I have. I have. Yeah, so I feel like Alan Turing was, he was nicer than Sherlock was, but it's very much in the same vein of, like, this is a fast-talking character who knows they're smarter than everyone else. Yeah, he's very quick-witted. social cues. Uh, that's sort of where Keira Knightley's character comes in. Because, like, she's the one who has to um, kind of humanize Alan and, like, make him more likable to the peers he's working with. Because there's this uh, huge team all trying to break the Enigma code. And no one really likes Alan that much because, like, they would ask him to go out to lunch and he'd be like, oh, like, I'm not hungry. Or, I don't know, he had some crazy reasons. Uh, He doesn't like working with people, so that's a big thing, too. Um, obviously, he was recruited to work um, with the, the Enigma, and he's very, like, quick-witted um, uh-huh. when he talks, then he also, like, doesn't understand. Like, he takes everything very literally, uh-huh. which is hard, but he definitely isolates himself from his own group, and he's basically like, my idea is better, none of you are doing anything right. And they do end up using his idea, uh-huh. um, which obviously it does work because Britain did win the war. So that's very good. <laughs> so that, that that's a good thing. But it yeah. kind of goes back between... So it kind of has, like, three timelines. It's him at school um, when he's, like, I want to say, I don't know, maybe, like, a teenager. Um, him during the war and then him in 1951. So it goes through these three timelines. I'm not quite sure, like, why they had that timeline for him at school. 
I, I understood some of it. Um, like, so the whole idea is that he, Alan Turing, um, is gay. And you kind of see him have this first kind of love when he's in school. Um, mm-hmm. who he, his name was Christopher, who unfortunately passed away. And in the movie, he names his machine Christopher. And Christopher is also the one who got him into, like, encryption. So I understand that. But there, it took a, it took a lot of time in the movie. The movie's yeah. long also. Like, it's not a short film. But I'm trying to think. Um, I, I do like the scenes of him at school, though. Uh, because Christopher, or I'm not sure he had the same name, but that was a real, like, really did happen. And I'm trying to think of other things I like about this movie. Oh, I love the score, too. I was just about to say that. The score is so good. Is this, wait, it's Alexander Desplat, right? Yeah, that's him. He, um, he did it. Alexander Desplat is my hero. I love him. Yeah, um, I did think the way they, like, depicted some of them. You know in the beginning scenes when they're first trying to break the code? It, for me, like, you know when they're all going to lunch? It seemed very laid back. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, like, sitting in an office it's obviously not to, like, negate what they actually did, but I feel like the way it was portrayed and then they would cut that with, like, what's actually happening during the war. So, like, their actions, like, do have consequences, but they're in a completely different world. Yeah. Which is, yeah, no, was odd I to see. completely agree with that because I feel like if with movies like this where it's all working behind the scenes, you kind of can lose that element easily of, like, there's real-world consequences, and they show that really well of, like, the air raids, and um, at one point, it's kind of, like, brought, the war is brought right into their area, uh, because they're trying to figure out, okay, which information do we give away, which information do we keep, and the one guy in the group said, my brother is on the ship that they're about to go attack, and, like, we need to do something about this, so I do like that yeah, there, that was a great scene. It did feel like there was um, stakes to this movie beyond just, like, breaking the Enigma code. Like, you felt for everyone involved in the war. Yeah, I agree. Um, because it's essentially, like, um, Alan Turing, he's relaying what he did during the war to a, a police officer in Manchester. He's basically saying, like, we had all this control. Like, mm-hmm. we, like, not necessarily, like, him in general, but, like, him and the people who worked there had control over what information was going to be used, what wasn't going to be used so that they wouldn't get caught. Because the idea was like, okay, now once they had cracked the code, they couldn't just use, do every single interception because then the Germans would know and they would just change the key. So the whole idea is that Enigma, what it essentially was, was like they would put in um, whatever, like a message and Enigma would, scramble it but there had to be in order to unscramble it you had to have like a key to figure out what the what the code was to break it and his machine was essentially basically to break it all at once um to try like every option but that didn't work and then he realized that there needed to be some sort of phrase that was going to be every single time in the in each message which they figured that out um and that was kind of an an interesting scene when they when they figured that out um, oh, like when they're running back and forth. That seems good. Yeah, that seems good. And then once they have like that phrase, they were like, okay, we can figure this out. And then they start to have everything. And that was like a, a big scene for the movie. But I think this movie also does like a good job of showing kind of what the British government did to Alan Turing. Because he yeah. literally was this war hero. Like he 
him and his team, you know, broke the code and was able to help Britain win the war. And then when he's found out that he he's gay, they basically charge him for indecency and give him estrogen hormone injections. And then he kills himself. Which yeah, is, uh, is sad and terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, there's actually always been a lot of, uh, no, not like controversy around his death, but trying to figure out if like it was a suicide or like just made to look like a suicide. According uh, to the movie, they, yeah, the they claim it was. What was really interesting is um, people are always speculating that since, oh, Alan Turing's the one who like, when, like t- made the first computer or something along those lines. Like, I think the very end of the film, it says, uh, oh, like today we call them computers. That the Apple on the Apple computer is inspired from like the Apple that Alan had bitten into um, that may have had cyanide poisoning in it, even though they hadn't tested the Apple for cyanide poisoning. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like, Basically, like, he did all this work to save the Britain government, and they go on and betray him. Uh-huh. So, that was very unfortunate. And I think they did a good job of kind of explaining that and kind of showing that as well. Uh-huh. I thought overall, this was, like, a good-paced movie as well. Like, it goes through the three timelines, but it makes sense kind of as... Like, in the current timeline of the 1951, it's basically, like, you kind of see this cop basically being, like, why does Alan Turing? Because in the present, he's basically a university professor. They're, like, why does he have a redacted war, like, his redacted, like, war effort? And then he's basically, like, trying to figure that out. And you, as the audience, already know at least, like, what he's doing. So I thought that was kind of, like, interesting and fun to play with. Uh-huh. Yeah, overall, I, I just really like this movie. Trying to think if I've got anything else to add. Oh, you know what? I always like the scenes they showed where he was running. Because Alan Turing was actually a really good runner who almost made it to the Olympics. Oh, wow. And they didn't, like, brush upon that at all besides... Because they didn't need to. But besides the scenes where he was running, but his marathon time is 2 hours and 46 minutes. Oh, that's really great, actually. Yeah. So he is definitely a man of... uh, Many talents. Yes. The one thing I guess I do have to say is that they kind of did Joan Clark. They didn't, like, I feel like represent her in, like, the greatest light. I felt like um, I just, like, some research. She was much more, like, instrumental in the war effort and in Enigma than I think they show in the movie. She's kind of, like, she just, like, works at the, the radio factory and she's, like, engaged to him at one point. And she, and I thought, like, it, w- it was, I don't know, it's a shame that they, like, lessened her part in order to show Alan in, like, a not in a better light, but to kind of do it more. I felt like they probably could have done both because she was, like, she was, like, a great, um, she's also, like, a great mathematician as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really get to see that. Yeah, because they kind of did only use her to, like, just humanize Alan. Like, in in real life, like, they were engaged, but... It wasn't necessarily like I feel like in the way that they showed in the movie. That that's my final my final take. Yeah, but Kira Knightley was good in it though. She was. She's a good actress. Like, I, I thought all the acting was good. Uh, I think oh this won for best adapted screenplay too. Oh nice uh, nice. Which makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, overall, 
good movie. Good movie. Yeah. Let's move on. So our next movie is The Theory of Everything, which follows um, basically the story of Stephen Hawking and also Jane Hawking through when they met to, I think, much later in life. I don't really know when the movie quite ends, um, yeah. what timeline, but I feel, I feel like out of most of the movies, this was definitely like the most um, like artistic, I feel. Yeah. It was, was just like... The thing I love about this movie is just how soft everything yeah, looks. Yeah, it's very like, colorful. The lighting is very soft. What people are wearing, it's very, like, I don't, I don't want to say soft again, but it's just, like, <sighs> makes sense how it looks and everything. Yeah, I wrote dreamlike in my notes oh, during yeah. some of the scenes It's because it becomes, like, very blurred and quite mm-hmm. yellow. So that kind of has that, has that take. So we start with, Stephen Hawking, I don't know how old he's supposed to be. It's in the 1960s, but he's at Cambridge, I believe. Actually, I don't, I don't know what school he's in, but he's at some university getting his PhD. But essentially, he meets Jane at a party, <laughs> and oh, that that was a cute scene. Cause that was really cute. Cute where uh, he's all about science, and she's like, "Oh, um, I'm studying medieval poetry." And, like, the arts. And they're just these two totally opposite people. But they just, like, get along so well. Yeah. I like that, too. They were, they were really cute together. And it basically, like, tracks their relationship. And then I think when when they first got together, he became diagnosed with um, Lou Gehrig's disease, which is ALS. And they were, he was basically told he, told he had two years to live. Mm-hmm. And she decides she was... At least for first, he doesn't, he doesn't tell her... Um, he doesn't kind of like isolates himself, obviously, and then she she kind of like doesn't give up. She's like, "I want to be with you, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll take I'll take the time we have together." And they get married, which was really cute. And he's still like working on his thesis, which was, and it kind of travels them through the rest of their relationship. I I did really like this movie. I thought like they go to a dance together. That was really cute when they first met. Yeah. No, I love. The scene with the fireworks in the background. That um, was really well done. And it just, I feel like oh, there's so many good scenes that just make it so hard to watch the other scenes where, like, Steven is kind of at his worst or, like, getting towards, like, like losing control of his body. Like, the crochet, se- uh, crochet scene, like, that always, like, hits me pretty hard. Just because it's, like... Steven trying, like, not to accept what's going on, but, like, also trying to fight through it at the same time. Yeah, that was, that was hard. Scenes that take place in the hospital, too, they've, like, they're very well juxtaposed because instead of being, like, dreamlike almost, it's, like, very harsh lighting and, like, very white. Like, all the walls are white. Um, I also thought one of the, the dinner scenes, um, I think when she first has, it's, like, her, um, his friends, I think once he gets his PhD, they all have dinner and he like, he can't quite keep up because at that point he had, he's in a wheelchair. He had lost his, his, not hadn't like lost his speech, but it was, it was difficult for him to get out like full sentences. So everyone else is talking really quickly and he can't quite keep up with what's going on. Cause his, obviously like his mind is, can process everything, but his body can't. So I thought that was, that they did that, um, was very well done. And then, so he, 
So once he gets, he gets, I think, a teaching position or some sort of um, position at a university, and Jane kind of becomes his full caretaker. Because obviously, two, at this point, two years ha- had passed, and he's obviously like he can't get around. They're forced to, he can't get upstairs anymore, so they have to have the bedroom on the first floor. And eventually, she kind of tells him she's like, "I need some help," and like even like her parents are like, "She she needs some help." Like she's put off her degree because, um, and she they also have children during this time, so she's like also like a a housewife. And that's where they they have Jonathan comes oh, no. in. Um, and he's he's like um the head of not not the church, but um like the choir group at church that Jane's a part of. And he starts to help out with the family. And during this time there's like a connection between Jonathan and Jane. And everyone yeah. thought so. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, you can tell where that's going kind of as soon as Jonathan hits the scene. Yeah. Because, like, prior to that, they did spend a lot of time focusing on, like, the hardships that Jane had, like, as you said, taking care of the children, taking care of Stephen. Um, And just being a caretaker is so hard, and it's very uncomfortable to think about, but you can almost see, like, why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. Just because her life has become so difficult. Also, I think different than what she had imagined. Um, yeah. But, and um, then they get, he not only does he get a, um, he gets electronic wheelchair, he eventually gets the, um, what was it? Um, it's like the voice, I don't know how to call it, but um, it's like a computer that speaks for him. Mm-hmm. And that was, honestly, I didn't even know Stephen Hawking's was was British because his voice is like American, like his the computer voice, um, which is sad. I probably should have known more, but yeah. can't stop he that. Want to uh, sound like a Dalek from uh, Doctor Who? Oh, interesting, interesting. Is that that one scene where he's like actually pretending to be a Dalek and he's saying like, "Oh, exterminate, exterminate." Uh, there was also a two thousand one Space Odyssey reference that I never understood. Also, having to do with like his voice box. Because he starts singing this song, Daisy Daisy, which is a callback to um, HAL 9000 from 2001. Oh. So I, I like that part a lot. Yeah. And then during this time when he's obviously has that, he becomes closer with his nurse. And oh, you know, was she a nurse? Or I think she was the speech teacher. I know. I thought she was one of his caretakers. Oh. So, like, so basically what happens is... Um, Jonathan comes in to be caretaker, and he's great. And during this time, basically, he's he notices, like, he does develop feelings for Jane. He's like, I can't be a part of this because I have feelings for you, that you have a husband. And during this point, Stephen gets tuberculosis, and that's when, basically, in order for him to wake up from a coma, they have to do something with his throat. They explained in the movie. I don't quite remember. That basically would stop him from having a voice. So hence mm-hmm. the reason why they do speech therapy. And then they get an actual, like, caretaker who's his nurse who, I think her name's Ellie or Ellen or something. Um, yeah, it's uh, Elaine. Oh, I'm Elaine. Right. And he becomes closer with her. And essentially he basically is like, I want to go to America with Elaine. And Jane doesn't like to fly. 
and they've kind of come to this decision where they're going to separate. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think, honestly, like, that was a sad scene to you because he kind of goes like, like, oh, like, how many years did they say we'd have? Um, and she's like, two, and they've had so much more. And mm-hmm. I think they've both kind of grown apart from each other. So it was a mature yeah. decision, but very well though, done. Like, they both acknowledge they've grown apart. I still love the ending scene where it's like the whole family together and they're kind of acknowledging, like, look how much we've done. Like, all of their children are there, and they're playing this great song called Passage of the Birds, which just makes me cry every single time. Yeah. Like, when I finished watching this movie the first time in theaters, I just had to sit there, because I'm like, this movie was so difficult to watch. Yeah, no, I agree. I also like the scene where, um, so he's in America, and he's, he's lecturing, and some girl kind of drops her pencil, and he, like kind of the movie kind of has this more like a dreamlike quality where he stands up and gives it back to her and then it basically rewinds back to the their first meeting mm-hmm. which was like very very cute and well done but yeah it was it was good I I liked it definitely like taught me more about Stephen Hawking that like I didn't know um I think I had like an equal part about like his his wife and him and his work yeah because I feel like wasn't this movie based on uh, her Jane's book? Or, or yeah. Or, like, a story about Jane? No, I think she wrote a, um, like, biography or something about, like, her life with him, and I think this is based off it. Mm. Yeah, no, that would make a lot of sense, because this movie focuses a lot less on the science and just a lot more on the relationship of her and Stephen and just, like, their life in general and how things progress over time yeah no i think i think this was a good move because i think a lot of people like know who stephen hawking is and like the idea of like you know the big bang theory black holes um kind of came from him and i think this was able to show kind of how he came to these ideas but not focus on that kind of focus on also his life outside of that mm-hmm. so i i liked it i thought like very well done acting did he win did Eddie Redmayne, who played Stephen Hawking, did he win an Oscar for this, I think? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, I think him and Benedict Cumberbatch, they were both nominated at the same time. Oh, wow. Um, it was... <laughs> yeah. I forgot crazy. about that. Uh, hold on. Let me double check, but I, I can get back to you on that, but I'm pretty sure Eddie Redmayne won. Cool. I think he did, too. Um, but any other last thoughts on this movie before we continue? He did win. Oh, nice. Which I feel like was well-deserved. Yeah, no, he did a really good job uh, in this movie. So the next movie we're talking about is Hidden Figures from 2016. Also nominated for Best Picture. We got three Best Picture nominees here. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, So if you haven't seen Hidden Figures, it follows Katherine G. Johnson, Dorothea Vaughn, and Mary Jackson, who are three African-American women working at NASA, and basically their struggles to kind of, I feel like, get more recognition not only at NASA, but do the work that they're kind of meant to do. All three of these women are, like, geniuses in and of themselves. Um, it, its main focus is Katherine Johnson because she did a lot of work on, it was, like, a space space team that helped put, I forgot who it was, in, in space. Kind of, like, the first, um, the first U.S. man in space. Mm-hmm. But it also yeah, focuses no, on I don't friends. remember his name either. 
Yeah, <laughs> their names. Yeah, great. Focused on mostly Catherine. They also had a really good, really good stories for Dorothy, who was played by Octavia Spencer, who did. In my opinion, I, I thought she was my favorite character out of all three of them. Yeah. Um, just, she had my favorite scenes. And also, uh, Mary Jackson, who's played by Janelle Monet, And uh, she's, like, fighting uh, through the courts to take classes at a, um, a school, since there's still segregated schools at the time. But the only ed- classes she can take to become an engineer are at this all-white school. Yeah. Um, then Octavia's, uh, Dorothy's storyline is that uh, she's uh, wants to become a supervisor, and they just keep on pushing her down and saying, like, even though she's doing the work of the supervisor, she's not given the role of the supervisor. So just very good subplots all yeah. around to make this very cohesive story showing all these different aspects of um, racial inequality during this time period and like specifically at nasa yeah i thought also this movie had like great pacing like it was able to balance these three women and they're like they had separate storylines but they did like come together at certain points and i thought like they made it all interesting you weren't bored at any part when one storyline or one like kind of short subplot was done another one would begin so i thought that was really well done um but it's the movie starts off with a young Katherine Johnson, basically her parents are at a school meeting and the school is like, your daughter is like, she, she's a genius. She, she, you know, she needs to go to this school. And the whole idea is that the school is like farther away. And thus, like they said, like, oh, the faculty like pitched in money so she can go or like, she's going here on a full scholarship. So that already like kind of brings you to start with how much of a genius like Katherine Johnson is and how much math like is her strong suit. Mm-hmm which kind of plays into the rest of the movie. So it's, it, I really liked it. I saw this in yeah. theaters when it first came out. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah, it's just like, it manages to take a subject that's obviously, like, very heavy. Yeah. It does, like, make it a feel-good movie, and you know these women are fighting for their rights, but it never puts them, like, in a light where they're the victims. Like, they really are, like, it's like they know it's their story and they're just doing everything in their power to like get what they know they deserve. Yeah, so I think one of the greatest ones is um, Dorothy Vaughn's story where they get a computer, like an actual computer that will basically do all the math. So they all work in what I think is like the East Wing, which is where all the, the women of color work. And they basically do all the math for the rest of the... Um, like NASA program so they, they call them computers which at first was like confusing to me but I think made more sense when you realize like that's what they're they're computing data that's what they're actually doing so they get an actual computer and Octavia Spencer um, character Dorothy she realizes that this will basically get all of the women out of a job so she like takes initiative and teaches not only herself but all the women in her group to understand how to work the machine because literally no one else can work the machine Mm-hmm. And that's how she secures not only her job, but the job for the other women. So she's not only, like, helping herself, she's helping everyone else to succeed. And yeah. she's I taking initiative on her own. When they're, like, walking through the hallway together to finally go to, like, the main building. Yeah. And I just thought Dorothy was, like, such a good character because she didn't have to do that. And she might have, like, 
lost that opportunity by saying like oh all my all my women need to come with me uh like she could have it would have been easy for her to like leave everyone else in the dust but that just wasn't who she was and she like it was so important for her to get all the other women she was working with to come with her uh so they didn't lose their jobs yeah i really like that and then you have katherine johnson's storyline which essentially she's the um the women in the East campus basically they are kind of like assigned different projects so her first project is basically to be a computer for the space task um, team and at first she's kind of obviously not only like is she ridiculed but she's obviously isolated you know they, they have a different coffee machine for her she has to go all the way back to the East campus to kind of go to the bathroom because there's no um, separate bathroom for her in that campus but obviously there's that her boss who sees that she's that she like has the math there and she also like she sticks up for herself like she that's what I did like about this too is that they do have some instances where they have this like white male savior moment um with you know I forgot what his name is um the actor but um was it Kevin Costner yeah Kevin Costner's character basically she comes in late and she's always gone because she has to go she has to go to the bathroom and she has to go all the way back to East Campus and he's like where is where is she and she basically says to him, she's like, look, like, there's no bathroom for me here. What am I supposed to do? And he kind of, like, takes a thing and, like, takes off the, like, white um, sign in the bathroom. He's like, okay, the bathrooms are now integrated. And I was like, it's a bit of, like, a, a we, like a savior moment. Um, but yeah. there are moments where she does stand up for herself and she uses the fact that he, like, wants to help her to her advantage. So she, throughout the whole movie, she obviously gets more position so in the beginning she's checking the math of some of the other men in the group and um they don't like that and she's given all this redacted material but she realizes if she like puts it up to the light you can see it so then Uh kevin costner was like oh just give her the material she's already gotten a way around it yeah i feel like uh kevin costner's character he like towards the beginning he obviously wasn't doing anything to like be an ally yeah he Um, definitely wasn't (laughs) He does towards the middle, but his stance through the whole thing was sort of like, I don't care who does this job, but, like, we need to, like, work collectively to beat the Russians. Yeah, I think that was that was his, like, main thing. But but also, I think he, like, he does in some way because he knows she's smart and he knows that she's, she's going to do this. So if there's that one point where she basically kind of, like, keeps fighting with one of the other men who who works for him and he comes Costner comes he's like what's going on and she's like oh I want to sit into the meeting so the whole thing is that they're trying to create the math um to get the spaceship back from space to earth and obviously not have it fall apart but the whole thing is that every single day it's like things are changing circumstances are changing and she's like I need to stay in the meeting basically this high clearance meeting where the only people there are white men and I need to understand what's going on. And she uses the fact that, like, look, I'm doing really good work. Um, I know you want to help me. You know I'm the best for this job. Like, let me sit in. And he's like, okay. And he's basically, and everyone is kind of, like, surprised when she's in there. And he's basically like, okay, like, tell us what to do. Like, listen. And, you know, you'll see how, like, how good and how good she is. And, you know, she'll show what, what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, the two... Not, like, I guess the two main antagonists, I suppose, 
would be Kristen Dunst's character and Jim Parson. Like, those are the two people where you're like, oh, yeah, like, we obviously don't like them at all. Well, yeah, they're just the clearly, like, um, like, racist characters. Like, they're, they're, they're just, like, against, like, what I loved about how they all treated, like, Kirsten Dunn's characters, character was that she, there's, like, one scene where they're in the bathroom, uh, the integrated bathroom, and it's Octavia Spencer, uh, Dorothy, and Kirsten Dunn, Kirsten Dunn's character, and she's, like, oh, just letting you know, like, I don't, I don't, like, hate you all. And Dorothy was like, you might think that, but that's not true. Because, like, throughout the whole movie, you see this clear kind of, not, not like, distrust, but clear, like, divide between how she treats other people and how she treats the, like, Dorothy and Catherine and all the other women in the, the East Campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely, like, obviously racism, but it was, like... It was so integrated for Kristen Dunst's character. Um, yeah. Like, she just didn't even notice she was doing it. Yeah. Uh, so I love that scene when, like, she had to be called out. I agree. And then I felt like you also had, um, what's his name? The actual, like, astronaut. Who, oh, yeah. He, um, he, was, he was also like, oh, um, there's a scene where all the astronauts are coming and they're shaking everyone's hand. This one astronaut, I forgot who who he is. He realizes there's all these like women who are clearly separate. He's like, oh, like they work they work here too. Like I should go say hi to them. And he's always kind of like like a happy chipper man, um, who's kind of always like so in support of them. I feel throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I um, think it was. Um, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but John Glenn was the name of the astronaut. I, that does sound familiar. I believe. And he was even, like, one of my favorite scenes was right before he's leaving to go into space, the calculations from the computer are different than what they've been doing every day. And he was like, whoever that woman was at the meeting, like, she needs to do these calculations because, like, she's kind of the only one I trust to get me back, like, to Earth. Um, And there's this one scene where they send this guy running all the way back to the East Building. And it's, like very similar to what uh, Catherine had to do to get to the bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. And like, switched around, and it's like, they know that they need Catherine. She's the only one who could do this the right way. Yeah. So I, I like that scene. And at this point in the movie, she had essentially been fired from the space task force. They're like, oh, you did what you needed to do. Um, and I think after this moment, obviously, they were like, we need you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, was, that was nice. And then, finally, we have... Um, Mary Jackson, who I liked her character as well. She was kind of like, I feel like she was probably the younger of the group. She, she had, um, so essentially she worked with the engine um, at NASA and she kind of had like a champion in one of the scientists who was like, you have an engineer's mind, you should be an engineer. And she's kind of like, I know the reality of my situation. I am, and like, maybe I can't do that. And then she like applies to the NASA engineering program they're like, you can't do it unless you have these classes. And then that's why she goes to court, is to essentially take these classes so she can be an engineer. And at the end of the movie, um, they kind of tell you, like, what happens to these women. And obviously, she did, she did get her, like, engineering degree. So that was, it was good. Um, but, yeah, I just thought, like, all three of, like, the actresses 
did a very good do- job. So Travis P. Henson played Katherine Johnson. We mentioned Octavia Spencer played Dorothy Vaughn. And Janelle Monet played Mary Jackson. I think they had, like, great chemistry with each other. Um, they did a really good a good job. Um, I liked watching them. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Just overall, uh, a very well-done movie. Yeah, and I think it definitely, like, got way more people talking about these women and realizing that, like, there's a lot more to what's going on like behind the scenes that people don't know about or maybe people aren't necessarily talking about because it's not like a white man. So I did a very well job. I also think like um, the man who knew Infinity could have taken notes from this movie because they handle a lot of different plot points, but you're never like wanting more. Yeah. That's my only thing. Because I honestly, the pacing in this movie is really well done. Mm-hmm. Like the way they handled all three of these different women and their different... Their stories. Oh. Yeah, just like all the storylines feel important. Also, Mahershala Ali's in this movie. Um, oh, yeah, I totally know. forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so he's um, plays kind of a love interest of Katherine Johnson. Yeah, that's kind of it. He's, he's, he had come back from the war. That's, that's all he is. But also, it was nice to see him here as well. <laughs> Yeah, glad he was here. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to our last movie? Yes, our last movie is one of the classic genius movies, Goodwill Hunting. The story of South uh, Boston, Boston man, Will, and his journey to accept himself and his his gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of it. The, obviously, the, I've seen this movie before. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I've seen this movie before, but I saw it a really long time. Uh, the wait, the one thing I was wondering while I was watching this, okay, the teacher in the beginning of the movie, did that teacher look like anyone to you? Did you get, like, a vibe? Which teacher? Like, the main teacher. Yeah, that's, um, the guy from Thor. Okay, no, I was Stellan Skarsgård. He looks like Christopher Nolan. He's got the Christopher Nolan haircut. Oh, uh, that could be that. Go back, you gotta go back and because you'll never look at him the same. I saw him on screen, and I'm like, he looks like Christopher Nolan. Oh, I guess I don't really see pictures of Christopher Nolan that often to, like, know what he looks like. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I had seen this movie before. Uh, I, I appreciate it a lot more now. Uh, the one thing that I think is really great about this movie is the writing, especially, like, it's got a lot of long monologues about a lot of different things. Yeah. Like, one really good monologue about love from uh, Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Will's character is just, like, very quippy. But yeah, it's also just very believable how he's, like, he comes from, like, a, a pretty rough background. But he's also this, like, math genius. And I feel like they juxtapose the two sides of him, like, very well. Yeah. And the one thing I do have to say is that because Claire and I are not good at math, we truly don't know if what he's doing in this film is, like, actually hard or not. Because oh, yeah, a, a no, lot no. of this film, where I feel like, in compared to others, um, is that they, I feel like they show you a bit more of the math. Like, there's this whole, the whole idea is that how, so the whole, like, the plot of this movie is that Will is basically recruited for, by this MIT professor. And how the MIT professor finds out about him is he puts this, like, impossible question on the board. And from the looks of it, it seems pretty hard. 
But I truly don't know what's going on to be like, is this actually like a difficult math problem or are they doing this because it looks hard? Like to people who don't actually know what it is, like it looks difficult. So yeah, if anyone does know if it's hard or not, please comment. I would actually be interested to know that. I bet they do have videos online of like what actual mathematicians thought about these movies. That'd be funny, actually. You could find one. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Uh, yeah, I also really liked this movie. I was actually on like, I watched it like on TV the other day, and then we, I, I was like, oh yeah, I have to watch it again. I like didn't mind it. I did. I don't know. I like I liked like all of his friends, kind of his own story. His own story wasn't that he was like creating this great math or that. Um, because obviously it wasn't based on anyone true. There's no, there's nothing for him to actually do, but it's more of like an emotional journey. This idea like where he begins in the movie is like a very kind of like, he's like, oh, I'm going to stay in Boston for the rest of my life. Like, this is my home. Like he's, he doesn't have much motivation to go and do anything different. To the end of the movie, he's, you know, chasing this girl he loves to California. I thought like it was a believable kind of growth and they did a really good job kind of showing it. Yeah, and it takes him a really long time just to, like, accept how he's feeling because uh, so much of the movie takes place. He's with his, uh, one of the, he's allowed to stay out of prison if he is, like, involved with the math with the professor. And if he goes to a psychiatrist twice a week, which is the one thing that he really did not want to do. Yeah. Just because he kind of didn't want to open up about, like, how things that have had gone on in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a scene where he has to go through like five different psychiatrists before he actually gets to Robin Williams character who's kind of able to break through since like they were from the same town and and Robin's, Robin Williams character kind of knows how to like deal with him a little bit more and they ultimately become really close uh, it takes a long time though yeah uh, which I, I appreciate that like it, did, it wasn't something that happened immediately because you had this... You got to see Will in so with so many different people. Like, you got to see how he talks about his feelings with, like, Robin Williams' character and then, like, his girlfriend and how, like, they're so different and how he was so long unable to open up to... Yeah. ...psychiatrist. Uh, or their... No, psychiatrist. Yeah, psychiatrist. Yeah, it was just, like, a very good character study. Yeah. I agree. I also liked how his therapist, uh, Robin Williams, wasn't, he kind of was able to match his wit. So the whole idea is like, he basically reads everything about his therapist before he goes to the meeting. So that's why he had to go through five and he gets to Robin Williams. He kind of doesn't, he like, he, Robin Williams keeps asking questions about Will and Will keeps kind of deflecting and asking about him instead. And he keeps kind of insulting him. And they have, like, a great meeting, like, the second meeting after the first one kind of ends disastrously. um, Robin Williams' character is like, look, like, you've never experienced the things you're talking about. Like, you can read a book um, about art, but you don't know what it's like, you know, to stand in one of, like, you know, the 16th Chapel is the example he uses, you know. He's like, you you can't tell me about, like, you can quote me a sonnet about love, but you can't actually tell me what, what that's like. And I think that that like really like gets to Will because I feel like he's always hit and you see it in the movie, especially in the bar scene where he's talking to that Harvard asshole, um, how he uses his kind of knowledge and his um, smarts to kind of be like, okay, like I know so much about everything, 
but he's really just quoting books back to people the same way that Harvard guy was doing it. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was was interesting. They're kind of like, not the same, but like he, he was insulting him for quoting things back when Will does kind of the same thing. Yeah, because he's got uh, like a photographic memory almost. Yeah, and he's also like crazy smart. My favorite thing is he has this, so he's been dating this girl um, who's going to go to medical school. She's in her last year of college. And she is, she's taking organic chemistry, which I don't know, as someone who was, was pre-med at a point in their life, don't know why you would take organic chemistry in your last year of college when you've already been accepted to med school, when organic chemistry is a prerequisite for med school. But besides that, she basically is like trying to figure out how smart he is. And because she, she would be like, okay, do you just, like, read about organic chemistry for fun? And he was kind of like, yeah. He's like, I just know it. Like, I look at it, and I just know what's going, like, he just understands it, which I think is very similar in um, The Man Who Knew Infinity. Mm-hmm. Like, he just knew the math, um, which um, we should probably connect to because they, they, they mention Ra- Ra- uh, Ramanujan in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I kind of was like, okay, I gotta go back and, like, figure out who this guy is because he's obviously so much more important than I thought he was from watching The Man Who Knew Infinity. Yeah, he... He got a full shout-out. There's a scene where... um, So throughout the movie, Will is, like, he's doing the math, he's going to therapy, but he doesn't really, like, want a job. He, He likes, like, he likes, like, working construction. That's what he does. Um, but, um, the professor he's working with kind of has a meeting with the therapist. They used to be roommates in college and they're basically, the therapist was like, you can't push him to do these things because then he's not going to be ready. And the professor is, is like, look, like he's brilliant. Like, do you know who, who like, like Ramanujan is? And basically tells the, like his, his story. And he's, he's like, he's just as brilliant as this man. And he, like, his his voice, like, deserves to be heard. Um, and then he, the therapist kind of counteracts him and was like, oh, do you know who this guy is? And someone was like, um, oh, he, the professor was like, no. And someone was like, oh, yeah, he's the Unabomber. So that's kind of um, <laughs> a little bit different. But it's also kind of like these two men kind of, at least, like, the professor has a very, like, son-like relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like he sees him as this, like, kid he could mentor but will doesn't see him in that same way yeah i i would almost say it wasn't like a mentor mentee relationship it was like the teacher knew and acknowledged that will was a lot smarter than he'll ever be yeah and like even though he was trying to like get will in the right direction to like use his knowledge he really just wanted to learn from will yeah Um, and will got that at one point because he had I assume his math proofs again. Um, and he was like burning them up and it meant nothing to Will, but just so much to the teacher. And I feel like another really interesting perspective in this movie is about Will's friends who like resent that he kind of not resent. They, they love Will, but they know he's got so much knowledge and they would like hate him if he it just stayed in the same town his whole life. When it's, like, if any of the other guys had, like, the same amount of knowledge, like, they'd be 
so happy to go and do something else. Yeah, there's a... Bill chooses to stay in the same spot doing the same things. Um, not, Not going after job offers or anything like that. Yeah, there's a great scene where he had been working kind of the construction job with Ben Affleck's character. And... Um, Will kind of goes, yeah, I think I'm just going to stay here, like, working this job. Like, I don't want to work those, like, corporate, like, government jobs. And he, he kind of goes, look, like, if you do that, like, I'm, I'm going to kill you. He, and Will was like, what do you mean? Like, this is, this is a good job. And Ben Affleck kind of goes, look, like, I'll be here doing this for the rest of my life. But I know, like, you can do better. Like, I, like the best part of my day is going to pick you up and hoping – like, those 10 seconds hoping you won't be there because you would have just left to go do something else. And I think, I don't know, I thought resent kind of is a good word because I think at least, like, definitely Ben Affleck's character, and the other two characters, his other two friends aren't really, like, fleshed out as much. Like, they, he really does be, like, kind of resents him for the fact that he chooses to stay when he could be doing something much more. Where it's, like, Ben Affleck, he doesn't have a choice in whether he stays and works this dead-end job. Because that's all he can do. Uh-huh. That's all he has the power to do. And I think that really, like, wakes Will up. Um, because I think before, he was just kind of, like, kind of, you know, chilling with his friends, doing the same thing every day. And he was fine with that. Because that was, like, what made him comfortable. And he didn't, he didn't think he, like, deserved to be kind of doing anything better than that. But, you know, he saw his therapist. And he fell in love. And he realized he is, like, he does deserve, like, great things. And to be with people that love him back. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, yeah and at the, the very end of the movie, all through the credits, it's Will driving uh, cross-country to get to the... Uh, I think her name was Kristen, I believe, uh, who had invited him to California. Yeah. Um, and Will had turned her down. And all that, those scenes were, like, heartbreaking to me. Or, yeah. Like, she, she loves and he loves her too but the, his whole dilemma is like he doesn't want to like put down his walls because he's afraid that um as soon as he does that like people are going to leave him yeah because um you figure out throughout the movie he had been taken away from three foster homes because of abuse and he kind of kind of um talks about that with Robin Williams and they kind of bond over that because Robin Williams had like a similar um experience but um I I liked I liked the girlfriend um I honestly I think he said her name was Christian um because you she wasn't like just his like kind of support like she had her own kind of backstory so like her um she obviously goes to Harvard so it's very very rich um but she basically got all of her money because her father passed away and had given her this inheritance and so she also has these like other experiences that Will can't relate to but also I feel like experiences that Will like doesn't expect from her. Mm-hmm. So I think Will kind of judges her a little bit from the first time they meet. And he doesn't necessarily like see her in another light until she's basically like, look, like I'm not this girl you thought I was. Mm-hmm. Which was done. Um, another thing I liked about this movie is all the therapist scenes. So like it starts out where like Will's literally like standing up. Um, while Robin Williams is sitting down and then their last therapy session is, like, they're both sitting, like, right next to each other. Yeah. So it's, they get, like, physically co- closer as the therapy and their relationship gets closer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just, like, uh, 
Honestly, fantastic movie. Yeah. Highly recommend if you haven't seen it. Very well done. Um, get it, yeah. It was... I liked it. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I wanted... Think, oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. One thing I wanted to mention is, um, as I was watching these movies... I basically was like, okay, so you can't have a genius movie unless you have a chalkboard scene. Because every single one of these movies had, like, the main character, like, doing some sort of math on a chalkboard. Yeah, a chalkboard scene, and then at least, at least four of these movies, or all of them but Goodwill Hunting, had the scene at the end where, like, they, with the text on screen, saying, True. Like, everything they've accomplished. Very true. Yeah, you can't can't have a genius movies without uh, these two things. Yeah, so uh, I feel like this concludes the, the end of this episode. If you have any other uh, genius categories you want us to go over, like geniuses of the arts or music, geniuses of whatever, uh, please let us know in the comments. And yeah. uh, we will see you next time. Yeah, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.